Greetings and salutations. I am the Rocketeer Lady, Mary-Kate Smith, and welcome to the Delta V Podcast. This podcast is devoted to highlighting and amplifying women and other minority voices in the STEM industry. Not only highlighting their professional path, but in, in their STEM career, but also pulling back the curtain to showcase the amazing diverse people that make up this industry. We are here to smash the traditional and hopefully provide some tips and laughs along the way. No matter if you're watching us on YouTube or if you're on your, or on your favorite podcast platform, please remember to rate, like, subscribe. Now let's blast off into it. I am incredibly excited about today's today's guest. They are truly one of the most badass people I have ever had the honor to get to know. K80 Katie Carell. Katie Carell received their bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Cooper Union and a master's degree in entertainment technology from Carnegie Mellon University. Katie is currently a CAD design and engineering manager at Meow Wolf, creating epic artistic experiences in locations in, uh, in Denver, Las Vegas, and Santa Fe. They are passionate about robotics engineering and puppeteering, creating art and pushing the boundaries of expressive robotics. I met Katie initially when we were on what we like to call before we were announced a special project called King of the Nerds. We met on this reality show and let me tell you, I was immediately inspired and amazed by this incredible engineer. So without further ado, Katie, welcome to the Delta V podcast. I am so excited to have you on and chat with you today. It's great to be here. It's great to see you. And I am um, sporting my King of the Nerds coffee mug for the occasion. I love it. I love it. So like before we get like into more of the fun stuff, let's kind of dive into what you're currently doing at Meow Wolf and maybe go into a little bit more about um, the engineering stuff that you do at work. And then we'll talk some more about fun stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Meow Wolf is such an amazing company to work for. And it's it's really fun because like I truly like believe in everything that my company is doing and want to be a part of like their mission. What we do is create these like immersive environments, like immersive artistic art. I guess what the what the technical term is that they're immersive um, creative art exhibits, but they're these massive collaborative art exhibits that are like 90,000, 100,000 square feet over like our Denver exhibits over four stories created by like, we have 110 collaborative artists from the Denver area as well as our in-house team. And it's creating this like storytelling immersive experience that you just walk through, you can touch everything, you can play with everything, everything's interactive. And it's sort of like, I like to say it's like we, we create the idea for a film and you build all of the sets and all of the props and all of the costumes that you need for the film. But instead of building the, like filming the film, you just invite the audience to come and explore it for themselves. And, and that's so kind cool. of how, it, how, how like they all function. So my role within Meow Wolf is uh, we, have a, we have a small but mighty little team here in Santa Fe. And we, we take everything that's going to be built by our company and go into the building and we have an amazing little fabrication team. What my role is, is I, um, I look at like all of the artists, like creative intents and everything, what everyone wants to come up with and try and make sure that we, we execute it in a way that stays as true to the artist's vision as possible, but while being like safe, robust and easy to maintain for the future, because we don't want like a big, really sweet, giant sculpture. But if you like, try to climb on it because it looks like it wants a hug, it's off center and it might might crush someone or if there's like entrapment places where you could get your hands or fingers stuck. So just mitigating things like that and making sure that it's like 
safe for for everyone, accessible to everyone, and able to be there for like for like years to come, so that everyone can enjoy it the same way. So my team creates all the armatures for our sculptures. Anything that's going to be like a structure that's going into our buildings, the basis is for a lot of all these like interactive elements. And I got the chance to get um, a lot of creative control over doing some animatronics this year that are going into our Denver space. So cool. it's just we have so many really fun ideas and you never know what the next weird little project that you're working on is going to be that is that that sounds so cool and so involved too i love like the right and left brain kind of stuff that you do like so yeah one of the things i think that is really incredible about your path is the ability to merge that antiquated dichotomy of left and right brain person right what yeah yeah so what is like the driving factor for you that drove you to live and like most importantly thrive in those in both of those spaces yeah, so I've always been like a very like creatively driven person and I was in like theater and dance from like a very, very early age. And I always wanted to go into theater like professionally, but I got really interested in like set design because I saw The Lion King on Broadway when I was 10. And they had like this amazing, huge feat of engineering where like the giant pride rock like emerges through the stage and it's like two stories tall and it has characters on it while it's like emerging through the stage and it's amazing. And I was like, wow, I want to design things like that someday. Like what is the path to that? So it, somehow in my mind, it got twisted up that I needed to learn engineering first and then have that as like my toolkit and then learn the fundamentals of design and pull from like what I know to build amazing things. But like by the time I got out of undergrad, like a lot of grad schools weren't really into that. They were like, no, you must do only art and like engineering is going to cloud your judgment. And you're not going to be able to make all these like free artistic choices. And I was like, that, mm. So I did finally get into some programs at Carnegie Mellon and I learned a lot through my grad program of like how to design exhibits and engage the, the, the guest and the, the exhibit goer and like make sure they're interacting in the right way, they're intrigued in the right way, direct their gaze to different things and keep the exhibit flowing. And I used a lot of that and like eventually moved into like designing sets for rock concerts and designing sets for eventually got into animatronics. And I think like one of the big things for me was like while I was an undergrad studying engineering and I was I was at a little tiny engineering school in New York, Cooper Union is in like downtown Manhattan. And I was still surrounded by so much art and theater in the East Village. And I wanted to like, I had some time, I wanted to get a theater internship doing some sort of tech theater. So like doing something with set design. And what I wound up doing was getting an internship building puppets for the Adams Family on Broadway. So that got me like really intrigued into like puppets and like how do, how do these things move and how do you design all the structures to make something creative when you have this creative vision how do you backstep it and make all of the the interior structures and stuff so I wound up doing puppetry internship throughout the rest of my undergrad for three years and I eventually worked for like the Henson company on uh, Sesame Street and stuff but like like just having those those two interests and like really locking them together because like I feel like when I was in undergrad, learning about puppetry was even more of like a hands-on experience in like mechanical design than I was getting in in engineering school at the time. So it was a really great way to like blend things together. Yeah, I so I think that like 
I'm obviously obsessed, you know, if you don't know me, I'm obsessed with puppets and Henson and everything. So like, obviously I wanted to be your best friend whenever we first met initially. And um, (laughs) I love, because like I dabbled a little bit in building puppets in high school. And one of the things that I thought that I had to like get rid, like I couldn't take it with me whenever I went to college, whenever I was doing my degree program in engineering. And so like I've had heated debates with people about like adding a to steam like i know Mm -hmm. i i I on this platform i always say like the stem industry and whatnot but that's just because commercially that's what it's most prominently known as but i think it's so important to add the a to stem is to stem to make it steam um Mm -hmm. and like so like what like why do you think so i think I know the answer. This is a leading question a little bit. Why do you think that the A is important? Because personally, it's made a lot of, it's been a a huge influence to my life as well as obviously to yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've actually like, I've given a talk at like ASME a few times about the importance of creativity and engineering and looking at engineering as like a creative profession or as an art form. Because, like, I'll often introduce myself that. as, like, I'm an artist and my medium is robotics. Um, yes. and I like, love that. Oh, my gosh. I am like, I've got chills. I love that so much. Yeah, because that's, like, that, like, for the most part, like, there, there are exceptions. Like, we could say that maybe, like, HVAC is, like, a part where you don't use as much of your, like, creative brain. But for the most part, engineering is, like finding a solution for something and and like you can't do that unless you're exercising your creative muscles constantly 100%. and so boo, 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 boo. Like, that, that, the that. importance <laughs> of like keeping up creative exercises creative challenges playing with legos doing all of that kind of stuff in your engineering education like because like it's it's about problem solving and problem solving isn't always linear you need like you need that creative create create creativity and that creative mindset and being open to like looking outside the box right Uh, and like that being said like I was so resistant to art education in school because like art education was so like boxy in my experience in elementary school and middle school like I got out of art as soon as I could in middle school because we had to uh for our like gifted program you got to like get out of one of your like art music tech ed or like whatever and I was like art art I hate art I'm terrible at art because like my art teachers were always so like prescriptive in the moment you like stepped out of line in your art assignment you just like failed which is um, nuts to hear because just a side note knowing you who, who you are now like that blows my mind because you're an incredible artist Yeah. (laughs) And like I was getting and it's funny to look back on because like I was getting really bad grades on things where like we had to do an MS Paint picture of like a birdhouse with a native bird. And so I did this like beautiful thatched birdhouse with like hyacinths and everything. And then I put a hummingbird in the image and they were like, nope, hummingbirds are migratory. (laughs) And I was like, why? So like oh tiny gosh. things like that. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't deal with with art because like the moment I take a little bit of creative license to art class, I, I like fail. And I like I even took well, I took some art classes in college and I, I got the same sort of like weird results where like I took a bronze casting class in undergrad because my school offered art, architecture and engineering. And that was it. It's it was a, it's a very tiny, weird, eclectic school. And I took a bronze casting class my senior year and I made this this piece that's like a 2D piece that has a bunch of cast bronze gears that turn together and then like pour oh, a cup cool. of tea at the end. Oh, and, that's so cool. 
and they like I, I barely passed. That's nuts. Whereas, oh like, the guy who, like, haphazardly, like, threw a lump of clay together, made a mold, cast it in silver, and nailed it to the wall, and was like, it looks like a mountain, sort of, like a dream mountain, got, like, an A. So, oh I think I've always had a little bit of, like, hatred for it, but I think, like, yeah. thinking about it more in an open-ended, like, just inc- encouraging, like, creative challenges and creative practice and, like... Yeah, kind of. You've almost had to like rehabilitate yourself in art, right? yeah, because, and like change the 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 space that art lived in, like because it was such a negative place. Well, for and you that's up. that's been a big problem for me, like my entire career as well, because like going into uh, when I tried to go into grad school for for theater design, everyone was just was so prescriptive about like. I remember going to Yale and uh, having an interview with like Ming Jolie, who was like this huge, like massive, influential theater designer um, of the last century, and him telling me that engineering ruins your brain. You will never be creative. Um, like, like, what are you even doing here? And I went home and I like destroyed all of my like model sets and just like gave up on theater design. And it took like years for me to like accept that again because even like when I was years later working for um, when I was working for Universal Studios and I would be sitting in on Blue Sky meetings designing like, oh, we have this new land we're creating, like we're going to create all these new things. And like we had, we were playing with the property of How to Train Your Dragon. Um, They wanted to create some new How to Train Your Dragon attractions. Um, And like, I wanted to, like, I'm just sitting there, like I was in there as like, as like an engineering person, but I was like expressly told, like, don't speak unless you're asked a direct question because you're not creative and you're going to spoil the creativity of the room if you speak up. And I was like, all I, I like, I'm just here to like, I know things. Well, first of all, I don't want you to get nine miles down the road thinking you're going to have a flying dragon when you can't. Um, But also I know things that are possible that you don't know because I've been spending the last like 10 years looking at robotics and like, and like drone technology and shit that you, that you, the creative haven't been. So I can propose other solutions, but you won't listen to me. Um, that, that was really like why I left Universal Studios because it was so like limited of like who could be a creative down to the fact that like with my same grad degree from a different university, you were considered to be allowed to be at that level. But like, because I got mine from a different university, it didn't count. So. So wild. So do you think that's like one of the hardest challenges for you that you've had to overcome? Like in your career is like trying to, it's like the fact that we are so antiquated and what putting engineers in a box and artists in a box, like there's no merge. I think that's, that's really been like a main, a main feature for me in my career because like, I wanted to like hollow out this niche of saying like, I want to be a creative engineer and I want to be there to facilitate people's ideas and potentially also be able to contribute ideas and make these ideas the best they can possibly be and make sure that like our creatives are aware of like new innovations and our creatives are aware of like really cool things we can use and like be like changing ideas and editing them to fit within a box of reality so we can create something really cool instead of like getting hung up on an idea we can't have and then being disappointed in the result and I think that's that's really great because that's like where I finally like have found in Meow Wolf which is really awesome because like for a lot of my career it was you have uh, within like, so within 
like the themed entertainment industry, if you're thinking of like heavy hitters like Disney and Universal, you're creating a new attraction. It's based on an existing IP. So I, I did a lot of work on Nintendo Land. The Nintendo Land was like five years spread over two companies and two different jobs for me. So I did a lot on Nintendo Land. You go into it knowing the character, knowing what they sound like, knowing exactly what they look like, knowing the Pantone colors of like everything in them, knowing <laughs> like what you want them to do. And then when you're like moving that into an animatronic, you're just like, okay, the jaw moves 15 degrees, the lip looks like this, like, and that's, you're fitting that like within this prescriptive shell. Whereas like what we're doing at Meow is like creating things from the ground up. It's our own IP. And so if it doesn't fit and it isn't possible in the way that it's been imagined, we can tweak it and make it like even cooler in the way that it is possible. And and that's why like I've been really like enjoying the the process of creating things with this company for the last year because we've really I think we've really just been able to like be very agile and hit hit those things and make t- twists and turns just to create something that is like still incredibly unique and awesome. And I guess like one of the things too, and I can hear in your voice, and it makes me so happy to hear because I know you and I both have struggled like being heard at the table too. So like, do you think that it sounds like you've found like a really nice home where you come to the table as an artist, as an engineer, and you're heard as such, right? And so how has that, has that been so empowering for you? Has that been releasing? Like what, like, how has that been? It's been great because like, I'm so used to having to like, come come there with like come to come to any meeting with like my hackles raised right. and like be ready for conflict and like it, like coming into a meeting now and knowing that it's going to be an open conversation is just like it's so much more exciting and so much more gets done everyone's open coming into it you know that you're you're working together towards the same goal and you want to all make something really cool. And it's like, it's it definitely, it hasn't always been perfect with Meow Wolf. Like, I definitely had to fight people on my first couple of projects being like, yo, I know you you know how you can build this. And like, I, I believe you that if you built it that way, it would be wonderful. But like, we this company has moved very rapidly from building very small temporary installations out of trash to building installations that are going to see millions of people a year and need to like be at a like meet a fire code, meet a safety standard and like be robust to like be touched for years and years and years to come. And so like I un- I like I completely believe you that you can build it, but like the way that you want to build it isn't going to to meet those like engineering requirements and I can I can make some slight tweaks and I can make it more robust for you and like that that has been something that people have been like at first resistant and I think it's taken like a bunch of successful projects to get to this point where we're all now very like we come into a meeting knowing that there's going to be like some concessions made, but we're going to all work towards the same goal of making something that's as cool as possible. Has uh, the way you walked into a workplace ever hindered you in a job or a setting at all or anything like that? Um, Yes. <laughs> uh, grad school kind of sucked for me. Part of it was like when I was going through undergrad, I was very involved in SWE, Society of, Mechanic- Society of Women Engineers. We had a lot of like alumni events. One thing that I remember being told by alumni all the time is that like if you're you're going you're you're setting yourself up to be in a male dominated profession and you know as a non-male you're going to be you're going to need to like hold yourself to a different standard. And you want to like be aggressive, 
get your voice heard and act like your your male colleagues be as confident as your male colleagues and that worked great for me in undergrad like i was the only non-male in my graduating class of 26 surprised <laughs> and i was like i was our student council rep i was the the chair of our society of mechanical engineers for three Not years surprised <laughs> And it, like no one, no one like treated me any different. Like I was yeah. just, like I was just another engineer in their class. And right. um, when I went to grad school, and I think you know a part of this was that we had it was another very male dominated population, but it was a lot of males of like Asian descent. So a lot of students from from India and, and Korea. Like twenty percent of our final grade was feedback from our classmates. And all of my male classmates said I was too dominant and too outspoken. Wow. And <laughs> I almost failed my first semester because of all the bad feedback just from people not wanting to have like a non-male group leader. God, my like nuts. the dean of our program like called me into his office and was like, You're too dominant, you're too you're too outspoken. I don't think I don't think you belong in this program and I was like What do you say? Well to that? I'm here. What, what did you say to that? Like that's that's awful. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I, I've just been told for four years that I need to like speak up for myself and I need right. to be like I need to be dominant dominant and I need and to command be command the room. Right. Yeah. And so I, I I was just like, Well, that's your opinion and I like I stayed on for the for the rest of my program and I graduated, but I, I definitely got like shafted a lot of for things sure. because that was the same program where I was I was also doing a lot of work in the robotics lab on campus, just taking independent studies, doing a lot of human-robot interaction research. And I'd started this thing when I was an intern before I even started as a grad student there. Like I interned there the summer before I started as a master's. And I, I laid down the groundwork to do this human-robot interaction research piece that was a theater play for a human and a robot. So I got all of that figured out. I got a director. I worked with my robotics group. We were starting to create a framework for how you can direct a robot like a human. So like we could move his arms and like record those in and like play it back. And then we could like go back into the computer and edit the animation in real time so that like during rehearsals, you're like editing and changing the performer's performance in real time. And then during the, the show, you're just going. Um, we had gotten all of that started. And then my program, my master's program got interested in it, decided to partner with it and then decided that because I wasn't in in part of it through their branch I was in it through the robotics branch that that was inappropriate and I had to be kicked off the program what <laughs> after I'd been working on it for a year and a half oh my gosh. Um, so I'm st I was still in the paper like I was still credited in the paper but like how frustrating I just yeah and so I like I basically I spent my last semester of that as a co-op at Disney research because I was just like I'm not doing this anymore so like, Katie, how, how do you overcome getting, because it just seems like there, you have had a lot of experiences being kind of kicked and then kicked when you're down, right? Like, mm -hmm. and has that like, do you feel like you have any like anger still or like, how do you handle like your frustration and those kind of moments and keep driving forward to continue this path and not just be, and not just give up, you know? Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it has been just kind of feeling like I still have something to prove. Um, 
and like wanting to like come back to that and prove that but like every time that 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 has happened I have really like tried to give up my my last job I was working with a company um that did a really like really treated me like crap they treat all their employees like crap but I got like incredibly sick and I needed to be hospitalized and I told them that and like I had the next day I had already planned to take off like it had been like on the books for months and, uh, and so I was like, okay, I need to be hospitalized. I need to take some time off. They're like, okay, you know, we'll let you know about it. So I go and I take my day off and then I get an email on my day off that I lost my job, lost my job, lost my health insurance just when I had to like go be hospitalized. And like after that, I really wanted, I was like, this isn't, I'm not cut out for this because everyone is fighting me on doing the career that I want to do and doing this this niche that I, I see, I see a need for this niche to be filled, but no one is willing to like accept it. And I keep trying. And like, at that point I was just like, I'll go work like supply chain engineering or I'll go work like automotive. And I had some interviews and all my interviews were like, you're going to be bored here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, That's... like looking at, looking at your resume, you're, you're going to be bored here. And I was like, well, I, I just, I didn't, don't seem to be able to cut it there and I'm really glad that I never landed in any of those jobs and settled because like then this this came along and I finally found a place that like saw and listened to and understood like what I was trying to solve them yeah and that's so that it makes me so upset to hear too like I know and I know some of it because obviously we've been friends during some of this time during some of that that turmoil and stuff and it still angers me it makes my blood boil to hear um such because it's almost like you're like the company is not helping themselves you know at all they're Mm -hmm. hindering themselves by getting rid of incredible talent and creative people who can see the have has the vision for doing for both the both the worlds of of engineering and art through all of your um experience like professional experiences um and work in all the different jobs that you've had do you think like there's have you found that there's a huge still a huge lack in diversity in the industry or or like yeah. Sure yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 Um, I think like the only place that had like decent representation attempt universal creative had a lot of women in decent positions, sort of like in my age range, mm-hmm. um, but not in the senior position. The senior position was all men and it felt like that was not going to change. It was a nice gesture to see some women in like my age and in like my position, but like it was also like still mostly men. That was the best ratio I had ever seen prior to coming to Meow Wolf. And like often I would be like the only non-male on the engineering team. At Tate Towers I was, at Animax I was. Now <laughs> now it's weird because I'm the only engineer, but <laughs> And I'm sure, and I'm sure, and like, and definitely no, uh, no non-binary representation at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's like one of the great things about working with this company is that it is so like diverse in terms of just like being like so many women and so many, um, like non-binary people in, in this company is like really nice to see. Right. I'm sure it kind of, so it almost, to me, hearing your experiences at Meow Wolf and like, and you just like your energy, even through video call, like I feel it. Um, I feel like they're cultivating such a wonderful work environment of inclusivity and like, and which makes creativity 
thrive in a way, you know, because you're, yeah. you feel comfortable creating with one another. That's one of the really great things about Meow Wolf because like ideas are kind of culled from everyone. So when we have like one of these big upcoming projects, like Denver started as a brainstorm between everyone in the company, mm-hmm. like everyone in the company. And they do like a day long brainstorm, anything's, anything's game and all of those ideas like it might start from someone, but someone else might like grow it and take it somewhere else. Right. So it, it feels like it's all of our babies. And if it's like one person's project and a whole and a team is assembled around working on it, like we all care about it. And I think people have kind of like finally accepted that I want the that I am like on their side and want to like make all of these beautiful things with them. But that's what's so great about it is that we're like cross training people. So people came in as welders or learning to sculpt. People came in as sculptors or learning woodworking. Yeah. And there's um, a lot of importance in cross training, I think, is understanding yeah. like just kind of what you were getting going back to kind of what you were talking about being at like in a creative meeting at Universal where you know you were not allowed to speak on you would you would interrupt the creativity but you have such a good like because you're kind of in a way cross-trained because you are as an artist engineer you know you can see those two things you can see how they work better together and so you can create something and save money which is a big bottom line yeah so yeah and then like the that's that's like one of the big things like with with Denver to to try and save time and money they had a lot of um armatures for these big sculptures created engineered out of house but the engineers were just like oh here's the basic frame uh let's put a line through the middle and two lines for arms and then they came back to us and we had to it was done with no understanding of like how the sculpture was going to happen and how this the the sculpting process and the sculpting medium was going to attach to that thing. And so we had to bring it back and create so much more, more like welded attachments for it before the sculptor yeah. could even touch it. And so that was like a big thing that like I brought to the company this year was like, I would rather like my team get a pass at that before it goes to the outside engineer. Like we'll create like a space frame for this sculpture with an understanding of how the metal workers are going to approach it with an understanding of how the sculptors are going to approach it and create something that's easy for everyone, but still like sturdy. I'll run all my FEA analyses on it. It goes outside. The engineer only has to stamp it. Just double check it and stamp it. It saves us money. It saves us time. Like it's something we know we can all use. And like we've we've moved in that direction, which is great. One thing I also really love is that we give like these opportunities to people from from yeah. different departments. Like we had a series of dioramas that are going into our Denver exhibit that they they wanted specifically to go to people who don't have like artists as their title and aren't like creating art constantly. So I got to create a diorama that's going to be in the the Denver exhibit and I'm like really excited about that because like I actually got to like get my hands dirty and build something and create something create my own concept and like just having that refresher every once in a while right right that's so cool so I know we kind of talked a little bit about your childhood growing up being involved in dance and like uh and doing I think you you said a little puppeteering too but so in your childhood what kind of got you on the path of being an engineer like I know you know obviously had a bad experience with art and we kind of brought her brought brought that art art box back into this realm but like growing up like how did you get to that engineering path I was always like very smart and so my parents tried to push me in the direction of engineering a lot um 
I got I got to go to a couple of like engineering camps when I was like maybe like 14, 12, 14, something like that. That introduced me to like things like Lego Mindstorms and um, like just like different like robotics kind of like low level robotic stuff. And I just like I found it really fun. And I sort of like when I put two and two together that that was that was how I would need to create things like the Lion King Pride Rock or like animatronics that I loved seeing in Disney World I just realized that like that was the kind of engineering I was interested in and that's that like that felt like something that I really like I wanted to learn more about and it always felt weird going through like engineering school because it it like I was always so disappointed like everything felt like you know here's your pathways you can go into like aerospace HVAC automotive and defense have yep. fun yep. and um, it's not really a mixed bag of anything it's just very defined <laughs> yeah and I was like oh shit like I need to I need to have a backup plan like am I going to be like I guess I I, I was kind of into defense a little bit like when I went to career fairs, that's who I talked to. I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do because like what I want to do isn't being presented as an option. Is it an right. option? Like right. and that's, that's why I went into to grad school. Cause I was like, I wanted to p- put it off a little bit and I wanted right. to also like explore that a little bit more as an option because like my grad program was about learning how to create exhibits or experiences for, for guests be that in like video games, VR experiences, museum exhibits, rides, kind of like a mixed bag, but it used to be a lot more sort of like Disney Imagineering focused. And then the person who used to be in charge of the program left and it switched right before I started and it was a lot more video game focused. So in addition to being like the bossy person, I was like constantly fighting to like build physical exhibits. And you you do semester long projects where you work with um, an, an an industry client to create something. And so I was working with the San Antonio Children's Museum with like a group of five other students, and we were creating an exhibit for them that was like a li- uh, young children literacy exhibit. All of my professors were like, "Well, we'll just put it. We'll just put a computer on a table and they'll play it." And I was like, "No, it needs to be like." an enticing space for them to like come over and play with. There's so many other fun things in this children's museum. A computer on a table is going to get passed by. This needs to be like a fun, engaging exhibit to get them to come and see it. So we built this giant, giant book and a big pile of other differently scaled books. And like the, the thing that you touched was in a book. It was a children's like story generating adventure based on the, the John Campbell hero's journey. It had like a little camera. You could put yourself in as the hero. You could put like your, your brother in as the monster. And you could like customize your character, figure out your story. And the story would play up on the big book for your whole family to see. And it was really fun. But like I had to fight so hard to get that like that physicality in there. And then I eventually just like gave up with that program and spent my last semester as a as an intern with Disney Research uh, doing like independent robotics research but still got my degree but it did it did put me in touch with a lot of really great people who really helped in like mentoring and it put me in touch with like the themed entertainment association which I wouldn't have known about otherwise which is a great resource for like students getting interested in doing themed entertainment engineering and um, or themed entertainment design and like puts you in touch with just kind of like all of all of that sort of industry. Yeah, yeah, that's that circle to kind of engage you there. Yeah. And through the, the themed entertainment association, like student section, I was able to get a scholarship to go to the um, go to IAPA 
which is the uh, International Amusement Parks and Attractions uh, trade show in yeah. Florida. Yeah. And yeah, we, we hung out last yeah. time I went. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> Pre-panorama. It's, it's a, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a massive trade show of like everything you need for amusement parks. So like rides, food vendors, the giant plushies that you that, that are the prizes at your arcade games, anything, everything in inter- themed entertainment. And it's just, it's like, apparently if you walk the entire thing, it's nine miles. It's a lot. It sounds uh, incredible though. It sounds like candy for my eye holes. Like, yes, everywhere. it's, it's wonderful. And especially <laughs> like as, as a student who's like, are about to graduate and get into that industry and like seeing what's out there and what kind of different opportunities there are. It's like, that is worth everything. So like outside of being a badass uh, roboticist and puppeteer and engineer, what other hobbies uh, do you like to enjoy to disconnect from stress or work? Yeah. Um, I, I've been doing burlesque for the last three years because I've, yeah. I've been a dancer my whole life yeah. and I love doing costumes. I love choreographing. Uh, so it just seemed really natural. And when I was in Nashville, I found an amazing burlesque teacher and, you know, took a whole bunch of classes and got, got my confidence up. And I've been making a lot of like very, very fantastically bizarre burlesque acts. <laughs> I have seen some of these and they are amazing. I if, Don't you I have some on YouTube, favorite- right? Don't you have like some? Yeah, you we've got to link some of those in the description. Yes, so. yeah, I'll send you some links. Yes. <laughs> the uh, my favorite to perform is probably my pet, my uh, my my Dobby. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I love that one and Harry your Potter. clown. I love the clown and my one. Pennywise. Pennywise, yes, yes I, love I have that a Dobby one. where I. I have a dobby where I wear a, a bald cap and a nose and ears, and I wear a pillowcase and I perform "Do You Don't Own Me," and it's it's amazing. I love it. Yes, I, yes, I'm and I have so... a Pennywise to uh, to Travolta by Mr. Bungle, so it's it's a little <laughs> bit bizarre. It's amazing. I I love uh, love the shows that you 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 put out there, and like I'm super excited. I think you said, aren't you getting back into doing more burlesque? I, th- I know you just released like, yeah, a photo yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. I just did a I did a project for a friend. I have a friend who does a um, a, a puppet talk show every uh, Saturday night on Twitch, which is freaking hilarious. But they did a um, they, they had a, like a short film competition, and so. Uh, and it was like a week long. And so I made a burlesque act of one of their characters who is a squirrel. <laughs> and, I'm, and we built a big squirrel head, we, me and my partner, and we and a big like boa. And I worked out all of the choreography backwards, filmed all of it, and then we reversed the footage and edited that together um, so that when I when I take things off, when you reverse it, things just like fly, like love flies onto my arm, my boa like flies onto me. It's fantastic. And it was too, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) My very first burlesque act was a straitjacket escape uh, burlesque act. So I I was like, not only am I learning burlesque, I need to learn how to get out of a straitjacket. Right, right. (laughs) That's fun. I think that's a wonderful skill to have, honestly, personally, you know. You never know. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Do you think that, uh, so I know I, I'm also a costumer and like I think that's something that, that the engineering aspect, I like I, pe- people would be surprised. Like you do have to construct things and figure out how things work together. Do you also like share that too? Like, Oh yeah, no, I totally think that like costuming is just engineering with fabric because it's Agreed. the same sort of like spatial awareness and like planning 
that that I would put into building something out of steel. Like yes. it's just a different. It, it's it's floppy. Like I have to understand the material proper, properties. I need to have like the three D spatial awareness of like how a pattern works. Yep. So like a hundred percent. Fabric engineers. Yeah, my, that's what we're- Coining. <laughs> so I uh, I wanted to share a interesting, like, just a thought that I had um, whenever, because while we've been talking, I'm like, man, Katie's so fucking cool. God. And let me tell you what, like, any of our listeners, when we were on King of the Nerds, and they were, we had to, like, we were, and, uh, <laughs> we um, we had to be put into teams. Neither, uh, we were, we were, neither one of us were picked as, like, the lead, so you, we were not the ones picking. I was mm-hmm. upset. I was upset that the team that I was on, the first pick that that person had, he had first pick out of the entire group of nerds that he had to pick, and he did not pick Katie. And I was just like, the first interaction (laughs) I had with Katie, I was like, that is the person I want on my team. That is the person, like, they have have the, the creativity, the engineering, everything like that is a person I was so mad and I'm still a little obviously mad about it because you're I mean then you got on the the purple team where that you were the first pick which should have been yeah anyway uh, it's just a little side note it's <laughs> always like like floored was- me with their with their creativity and badassery like I've always been obsessed <laughs> <laughs> that, and like that was such a fun experience because it is like such a it was such kind of like a little microcosm of like very similar to what I do every day at Meowl <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like here's a really bizarre yeah. project that you have to do with like some sort of really bizarrely limited materials right. uh, you have two weeks do a thing because um, <laughs> especially because like working in this industry like we are so limited in in materials because of fire codes and uh because it's a permanent installation like very little of what you use in the room can be flammable and um so we're doing things like making cardboard boxes like making weathered cardboard boxes out of steel and i feel like i feel when we do these kind of things i feel like i'm on a reality show every time i can only imagine sometimes whenever you you've described some of the stuff that you've had to do i'm like man this sounds like a reality show like section like a competition or game like that they would the producers would come up with you know that's so cool that's yeah i know like we've we've joked around about like how cool like going on to like RuPaul's Drag Race or something would be like I could so see you like and I I imagine then like because of that I'm like well then that's what Meow Wolf is it's like they're RuPaul's Drag Race but they get paid for it (laughs) I know I was like I was so tempted to audition for Dragula but I just don't think I would survive the like elimination challenges those are rough (laughs) but it's just like here eat 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 this live tarantula and I'd be like nope I'm out (laughs) <laughs> see ya I know I love Dragula so much because I feel like there's something that I this is so off topic but I, one of the reasons I love Dragula so much is it just feels like very raw authentic like creativity that goes into it too like I'm not saying that RuPaul's Drag Race isn't it's just RuPaul's Drag Race has reached a level of production that Dragula yeah. just feels more authentic and like I just feel like I can see the creative juices really flowing and it's not like I have to look my best on the runway. It's more of like, I want to present my art on the runway, which I love that. Yeah. 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 Because it's not about the polish. It's about like evoking whatever you want to evoke. You don't have to like take that and then put a level of polish on top of it. Like, right. 
you don't have to be like, I'm sparkly, sexy zombie. Right. And like, no, no, I am just rotting. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Katie, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so, so much for joining yeah. Delta V podcast. You're, uh, you're our second guest. So Woo. we really are honored to have you. <laughs> and um, are, is there any, like, any way to keep up with you on social media? Are you anything you want to plug? Yeah, I am. Um, I am Katie Bot on Twitter, and I am Pixie Danger, uh, Pixie underscore Danger on Instagram. Yeah, you want to keep up with my my burlesque and my art stuff. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we will chat soon. Yeah, right. this is so much fun. Yay! Thank, thank you, you for so having much. me. Yeah.